Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 called Rest and Retribution. I will tell you that whenever you begin to go down a list of thankfulness, it will be therapeutic to your soul. Because negativity will breed, will breed uh, kind of, it will poison your spiritual life. Everybody with me? But thankfulness will breathe goodness and health into your spiritual life. And in fact, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul talks about, not, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, Right in those verses, he talks about praising God as a regular habit and being thankful into verse 20, Ephesians 5. We won't go there. As a spiritual habit, as if to say being filled with the Spirit is connected to praise and to thanksgiving. And I think that that is true. Because I think a thankful heart is a heart that's turning to God in gratitude. And that's one way that I believe that we keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. We keep thinking about the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now, he says it's only fitting that we do this. Your faith is greatly enlarged. We celebrate that. The love that you have for one another is growing ever greater. Good prayer to pray for people is, and for ourselves, is, Lord, let my love grow greater and greater every day. Let me be more loving than I was yesterday, not less. And this church was doing that. And they were doing it in the midst persevering in the midst of much persecution. Look at verse four. We, are, we, all, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God. We boast about you. We tell people, man, that Thessalonian church is amazing. We boast among the churches of God of you, of your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions. See that word afflictions in your Bible? Unless you have a New King James, it's rendered afflictions, I believe, in every version that I know of. But here it is tribulations, or you could say troubles. It is the Greek word flipsis, which is the common word rendered tribulations. They were going through all these persecutions and tribulations, and they were enduring them. And that this little church was holding on. And you maybe have been going through a lot of stuff. We were talking about at the men's conference yesterday, the last six months has been really challenging for a lot of people. But in many ways, it's been good for us to be stretched, to be challenged as American Christians. We'd be a little soft, people. Let's face it. We've had it really good for a pretty long time. And now we are facing some tribulating, if you want to put it that way. And it's challenging us a little bit to ask ourselves what we really believe. And do we believe when it's convenient? Or are we willing to stand in the midst of persecutions, which are here, by the way? And we've been telling you about what's been happening to churches and uh, how they've been under threat of jail and find some churches now find over $100,000 and court dates, and it is happening. And by the way, it's just about maybe 30 to 50 miles down the road. If you think that it's just not going to touch you, right? That's sometimes what we think, oh, it's over there, so it's not a problem for me. 
But maybe that is the problem. That we're not really used to standing strong for the Lord. And I believe that the Lord is stretching us. And look at verse 5. This is an interesting verse. It says, this, and he was just talking about their persecution and them standing in the midst of tribulation. This is a plain indication. It is New King James' manifest evidence of God's righteous judgment. Say what? Standing tall in the midst of persecution is manifest evidence of God's righteousness? How so? How could it be that facing persecutions and trials somehow would be manifestation of God's righteousness? Because suffering, please hear me well, you may not like it, you may not even want to write it down, but here it is. Suffering always precedes glory. Always. Even in the case of Jesus Christ, he suffered on the cross prior to him being glorified, if you will. Of course, the glory was in the cross, but it was also in the resurrection, also in his ascension, also in his current ministry. God is glorified when the church, please hear this well, stands strong in the midst of persecution. God is glorified. In fact, this may be a little hard for some of you to take or understand, but I believe that God allows this to mature and stretch his people. And that may be a difficult thing, but many of you know that when you're cruising and you're in cruise control, you don't have to think much about God. You don't have to rely much on God. You can kind of just do your thing and you can add God to your portfolio. And that's what a lot of American Christians have done. But I want to take you to a passage in 2 Peter. Let's go over there for a second. Uh, which Peter talks a lot about this idea of suffering in the midst of trial. Actually, it's First uh, Peter. First Peter. Notice, it says, First uh, Peter 1, and Peter's been talking about this uh, group of people protected by the power of God. He says, in this, First Peter 1, 6, you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, I got that circled in my Bible, First Peter 1, 6, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, this is the biblical reality that God says sometimes he feels it's necessary for you to be in the midst of some trouble. Now, do I fully get that and understand all the angles of that and know when it's God and it's just circumstances and all that? I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you this if you go back to 1 Thessalonians. What I do know is that nothing comes into my life in, unless it first passes through the filter of God's love because God's ultimately sovereign. And so in this verse, this is something that we now need to put into our theological thinking is that sometimes God allows us to go through the fire that the proof of our faith 
might be manifest. And it takes us all the way to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he looks at us and says, well done. You, were, you stood strong in the midst of trial. Jesus had to do it. Paul had to do it. 2,000 years of church history reveals it. Our brethren around the world have to, de- have to deal with it. And now we've got a little bit of it. And brethren, that's okay. Because our God is faithful. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that faith stories are being written right now about what we did in this time? I believe that. I believe that there's going to be generations that look back and ask the question, what happened in 2020 in California and other places where there was some persecution, there was some decisions to be made? We are on the cusp of a very critical election in our time. We have a country that is going like this, man. And we need to decide what it is that we believe and why we believe it. And what what is it that anchors our hope? Paul says, this is a plain indication of God's righteousness or righteous judgment, verse five, so that you may be considered worthy interesting, of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Suffering saints are given the privilege to suffer in Jesus' name. You say, some of you are saying, the privilege to suffer? What in the world are you talking about? Let's go over to Philippians. A little bit before uh, Thessalonians. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Let me show you another verse that deals with, with this topic. And I, I, I'm bringing this out because it's in the text, but I also want to say to you that there's a whole movement within the professing Christian church that doesn't want to talk to you about suffering. They don't believe that suffering could ever be God's will. And if you've heard that preaching, you start to get the idea that the only way that God could be working in your life is if you own three mansions, a yacht, and a limo. That that's the only way that God could be manifesting his righteousness in your life. That is a lie. It is a big, fat lie. And you know, many people who have bought that lie, hook, line, and sinker, have gone out the back door of these kinds of churches in droves because they've been sold an idea of God's blessing that it's simply false. It's not biblical. And maybe you have uh, been exposed to that kind of preaching or you've sat under that kind of preaching. And if you have, let me just say to you, I'm sorry. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael this Wednesday, November 11th for our next free 633 event called Breaking the Chains That Bind Us, Seeking Truth About Sexuality. You or your family and friends might have questions about sexuality. What does the Bible say about it? How does what the culture say about sexuality differ from Scripture? Why do people struggle with their sexuality? Sexuality seems to be a difficult topic for some Christians, but it really shouldn't be. Pastor Michael will speak with clinical psychologist and author Dr. Diane Boll. Come to our free event where you will be able to ask questions anonymously through our Living Truth app. Remember, this free event is this Wednesday, November 11th at 6.30 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. If you live outside the area, the event will be streamed live on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Call 844-48-TRUTH for more information or go to walkintruth.com. 
That's 844-48-TRUTH or go to walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Our brethren around the world have to, de- have to deal with it, and now we've got a little bit of it. And brethren, that's okay, because our God is faithful. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that faith stories are being written right now about what we did in this time? I believe that. I believe that there's going to be generations that look back and ask the question, what happened in 2020 in California and other places where there was some persecution, there was some decisions to be made? We are on the cusp of a very critical election in our time. We have a country that is going like this, man. And we need to decide what it is that we believe and why we believe it. And what, it, what is it that anchors our hope? Paul says, this is a plain indication of God's righteousness or righteous judgment, verse 5, so that you may be considered worthy, interesting, of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Suffering saints are given the privilege to suffer in Jesus' name. You say, some of you are saying, the privilege to suffer? What in the world are you talking about? Let's go over to Philippians. A little bit before uh, Thessalonians. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Let me show you another verse that deals with with this topic. And I'm bringing this out because it's in the text, but I also want to say to you that there's a whole movement within the professing Christian church that doesn't want to talk to you about suffering. They don't believe that suffering could ever be God's will. And if you've heard that preaching, you start to get the idea That the only way that God could be working in your life is if you own three mansions, a yacht, and a limo. That that's the only way that God could be manifesting his righteousness in your life. That is a lie. It is a big, fat lie. And you know, many people who have bought that lie, hook, line, and sinker, have gone out the back door of these kinds of churches in droves because they've been sold an idea of God's blessing that it's simply false. It's not biblical. And maybe you have uh, been exposed to that kind of preaching or you've sat under that kind of preaching. And if you have, let me just say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you were not told the truth of what the New Testament actually teaches about the Christian life. The Christian life is filled with many, many blessings. So please don't get me wrong. But it also includes some suffering. And that, God's will. Notice, this is Philippians 1.27. It says, and let me just throw out the question, suffering on behalf of the kingdom, kingdom, is it a prerequisite for entering the kingdom? Just chew on that for a second. Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, Philippians 1.27, so that whether I come and see you, says Paul to this church, or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, 
good to stand together, right? With one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which, notice, is a sign of destruction for them when you're not alarmed by them and you just keep going, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, please mark it, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul never hid the fact, nor should we, that suffering is part of the Christian life. And it is interesting to me, I've read some books on suffering and looked at some of the data on suffering, and it's really interesting to consider uh, about the research and what comes back. This is Ravi Zacharias recently who went home to be with the Lord, suffered from terrible back problems and suffered his own persecution. He says this, meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain, but from being weary of pleasure, close quote. Sometimes we get the idea from this broken world that you just got to heap up pleasure upon pleasure upon pleasure, and then you'll finally be happy. But do you know that that's not what life actually reveals? In fact, Philip Yancey uh, wrote these words, and it's quoted in uh, The Case for Faith from Lee Strobel, but here's what he says. After wide-ranging research into the, into the topic of suffering, Philip Yancey wrote, I, I have visited people whose pain far exceeded my own. I was surprised by its effects. Suffering seemed as likely to reinforce faith as so agnosticism. Scottish theologian James S. Stewart said, it is the spectators, the people who are outside looking at the tragedy from whose ranks the skeptics come. It's not those who are actually in the arena and who know suffering from the inside. Indeed, the fact is that it is the world's greatest sufferers who have produced the shining examples of unconquerable faith. And that's why Acts 14 Uh, Verse 22 shares these words. They went back, they retraced some of their steps to these churches, and they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, Acts 14, 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is uh, speaking to the Ephesian elders, and I, I believe it's in that same section, and he says, And now bound in spirit, I go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. When Paul was first called and Jesus is interacting with Ananias, and Ananias has questions about how Saul could be God's chosen instrument. Uh, Jesus says to Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer for me. Wow, really? Can you imagine out of the gate getting your ministry call from a mentor or someone who laid hands on you? By the way, 
Jesus wants you to know he's going to show you how much you will be suffering for him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, I got a prophecy today. What was it? What was it? Was it exciting? Was it exhilarating? Oh, yeah. Jesus is going to be showing me over the coming decades how much, wait for it, I must suffer for him. Isn't it foreign to us? In fact, we're having a hard time with it right now. I can see it. Like, like what? But the problem that we have in the American church is that we just haven't wrestled with these kinds of concepts very much. Now, I want to tell you that even though I've given you some tough news, some good news coming up, it's going to be good news for us and bad news for other people. Check it out. It says, six, for after all, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, it is only just for God to repay you could call this a divine or holy payback. With affliction, that's our same word, flipsis, or for tribulation, those who afflict you. Now, to add to the idea here of suffering, because we all struggle with how to deal with it, Paul says don't worry about it, because God is going to deal with the people who do it to you. And it will be just, it's only right, it's only righteous for God, middle, uh, beginning of six, to repay with tribulation those who cause you pain because Jesus said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus takes persecution personally. And this is where Paul says in Romans 12, brethren, never take your own revenge but leave room for the wrath of God. For God says, I will repay, saith the Lord. How many of us, I was listening to Tony Evans the other day, he's preaching on Romans 12, and he said, how many of you, and this is how he preaches, have gotten in the way of God when you tried to repay people and you got in the way of God doing his repay? So something like that. He's, he's such a good, I don't know how he still has a voice. And I, every time I listen to Tony I, at lunchtime, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And substance, man, and fire, and substance and fire. It's good. You've been listening to Rest and Retribution Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and more. Please search for us and subscribe so you can listen to this series and many other teachings from Pastor Michael, like his teachings in 1 Thessalonians or the book of Revelation. Remember, search and subscribe Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, tonight uh, we have this special event going on, Breaking the Chains That Bind Us, Seeking Truth About Sexuality, and it's with Dr. Diane Bowl. She's a clinical psychologist. She studies the brain. She studies the Bible. Maybe we say the Bible and the brain, and she is going to give us some insights on these questions about 
the struggle with sexuality and, you know, what does the brain reveal about this? And what does the Bible say about this? And, you know, what about these questions where people have same sex attraction, for example, or, you know, things like that? Are people born with a certain proclivity in a certain direction? Breaking the chains that bind us, seeking truth about sexuality. It's a special 633 event. We do these from time to time at Living Truth, where I serve as senior pastor. We're in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Now, if you want to ask a question that we'll try to answer on this evening, and we're going to do it with love and respect, you can submit questions on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. Download the app for free in the App Store. Living Truth Christian Fellowship, look for the red logo with the pillars. You can submit a question for the 633 event, and we'll answer that, and you can submit it anonymously. If you're out of the area or you can't make it that night, hey, tune in on our YouTube channel. You can get to the YouTube channel by searching for Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, or go to walkintruth.com, and we'll get you to that church page as well. Tune in, be praying. You know, there's a lot of confusion and struggle out there, and we want to be a light in the confusion. So be praying over the event. God bless you, and we'll see you right here tomorrow. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture please give your $5 donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter one called Rest and Retribution. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.